Once again, we're going to read Ephesians 5, the first 20 verses. Ephesians 5, 1 through 20. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us in offering, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication, and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words." For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are approved, reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We read that far and consider this evening verses 15 through 17. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, it should be evident to you all that the text we consider tonight is very, very closely related to the context, to the context as a whole, and specifically to the exhortation that we walk as children of light. The connection, of course, is there in that word, then, see then, that ye walk circumspectly. In other words, what is found in our text, what the Apostle writes to us as our calling, 
And the reason why is related to what he said before. That connection is also brought out more specifically by that word walk. As soon as we see that word walk, walk circumspectly, we are reminded of the exhortation that began this whole section and therefore be followers of God as dear children and walk. Walk a certain way. Walk in love as Christ hath loved us. Then he explains a little further that that walking in love as children of God, following God, involves walking as children of light. That is, children of God, we are children of light. So that what we see here in the passage, therefore, is a further explanation of what it means and why it's necessary to walk as children of light and children of God. What that's all about We may say that walking circumspectly is part of walking as children of God in love and walking as children of light. It's worth noting also that the Apostle here joins two things that we might not see necessarily as together. Two creatures Two things of this creation that also are very closely related. And that is time and light. A fascinating subject in itself, even from a physical, scientific point of view. Here are these two creatures, these two things that are so much the fabric of our universe that we hardly think about them. There is light, and light stands out in the darkness over against the darkness. There's that antithetical quality of light, that darkness does not exist in light, and where light is, it dispels the darkness. Light is the one thing necessary for all of life. It is the first thing that God created. But then there's time. Time, this mysterious creature, also intimately part of the very fabric of our universe. And yet it's something that we don't think of as a creature. Perhaps we think even that we are subject to time, that time rules over us. After all, we only have a finite amount of time. We are born, then we die. In between is the time of our life. And therefore we say we are creatures of time. Time lords it over us. It rules over us. But that's not true. Not if we are creatures of light even as we know is true with regard to the physical world, light is not ruled by time. Oh, indeed, light travels through time, very quickly through time, the fastest thing through time that there is. 
But it is light that remains the same and is the universal constant. It is time, rather, that is subject to light. In the physical realm, the same thing is true in the spiritual realm. We now are children of light, no longer children of darkness. And so much is that true that we are children of light, that it means that we too are not subject to time, but rather redeem the time, and are called to redeem the time, and are able to redeem the time. That is, to purchase time, to use time for our benefit and profit, as it were. We're going to consider this passage, which again continues to be about the life of the members of the church, the life of the individual members as saints. It continues the instruction on that life, especially how it is antithetical, again, even as darkness and light are antithetical to each other, so redeeming the time is a matter of wisdom versus foolishness. One either walks circumspectly or one walks foolishly. Consider with me redeeming the time, the calling, the walk, and the reason. The calling to redeem the time concerns two very important biblical concepts and truths, time and redemption. Time itself is an amazing, amazing topic. An entire sermon could be preached simply on that subject alone. But interestingly, when Scripture speaks of time, it never does so as an abstraction. It always connects it to our life. And Scripture has much to say about time over against what men say about time. It's amazing that this creature, time, which has been there from the beginning and will continue till the end of this present time, that man has never really been able to explain what it is. Man has much to say about time, to philosophize about time. We ourselves can talk about time going slowly or fast. But Scripture has even more to say, and it's true. Time, like an ever-rolling stream, bears all its sons away, we sing in the Psalms. Ecclesiastes 3, the wisdom of the preacher, there is a time for everything. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Then there is God who is above time and beyond time, yet He has decreed that everything occur in time. It's amazing even that we can consider there is a God who lives in eternity, not in time, but outside of time, not subject to time, before time and after time and above time and below time. He simply is timeless. Hard to us to conceive of that. And yet God has thought of things, decreed things, considered things in his own mind, and those things God ordained should be 
accomplished in time. In fact, so important is time, even though it is a creature, and important because God has decreed it, God has made it, that things aren't allowed simply to exist in the mind of God, but they must come to pass. It's an amazing thought just to think of all by itself. And then think of all the things that God has done in time. God just didn't simply think about the birth of Christ and consider the birth of Christ and say, Christ shall be born. But when He said, Christ shall be born, that means there would be time and a point in time where He in the person of His Son would come down to earth, enter into our time, the timeless one, and take human nature unto Himself personally. And then think of the death and the resurrection of Christ. So fundamental to all things that we even measure time according to the birth of Christ. Something the philosophers and historians who are godless in our world today want to eliminate B.C. and A.D. Then there is beyond time the whole business of redemption. Think of how often the Bible speaks of redemption. It too is an earthly concept. God created a world where there was this concept, this activity, this thing called redemption. And God did things in salvation, in the history and unfolding of salvation, that were redemptions, all to point to the one great redemption, of course, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But you remember what the first great deliverance of Israel was, their redemption from the bondage of Egypt. I am the Lord, God said to Moses, and I will bring you out from bondage of Egypt and redeem you with a stretched out arm and judgments. Go to the last book of the Bible. And there is sung, you know the song, Thou art worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Why? He's worthy to open the seals, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Notice, out of every kindred tongue. If you want to know why there is an antithesis, why there is the difference between children of darkness and children of light, why there are these exhortations that come to us to say, redeem the time and other things, it has to do with the redemption of Jesus Christ. He redeemed us from something and out of something so that we are different. Important concept in this book of Ephesians. And already the seventh verse, chapter 1, we read that we have redemption through His blood according to the riches of His grace. Chapter 4, verse 30, we're told to look unto the great day of redemption to which we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So it ought not be strange to us 
that this very same word comes up now in connection with time. Redeem the sign. Every saint, every member of the church is redeemed. God is the Redeemer. Christ accomplished that redemption by His blood. And so, it ought not be strange that we are called to redeem the time. To redeem is to pay the price. It's to pay the price in order to purchase someone from the power and ownership of someone else. As slaves are under the power of their master, so there is another, someone other than their master, who can pay the price of that slave, whereby that slave now is redeemed, purchased, bought from the power and dominion and authority and right of ownership from the former master to become the owner or to become the subject to become the slave, to become the use of a new master, a new person. Thus Israel was redeemed from the bondage of Pharaoh and of Egypt to become the servants of God in Canaan. We are redeemed from the bondage of sin and death by the blood of Jesus Christ, by Him paying that price so that now we belong to Him. That's what we confess in Lord's Day 1. What is thine only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own. And I am not my own because I have been redeemed by another. Purchased. It's important because it helps us understand something about our freedom. We are indeed free. We recently considered an entire series on the Christian's liberty and his freedom that is obtained by this redemption. But realize this freedom, like all human freedom, is not absolute. Human freedom is never absolute. Man is not free. He is always dependent upon God. Well, so it is as Christians. We are redeemed. We are freed. Freed from a master, an overlord, someone who put us to bondage. But we are still slaves. That's what that word servant means in Scripture. Slaves. You remain slaves. But oh, what a master. A master who loves us and cares for us. Who even gave his own life for our redemption. And it's in that context now you see that the calling comes to redeem the time. Now we need to look at this carefully because we might be prone to question whether that's even possible. Isn't it true that Christ is the Redeemer, that only Christ can redeem, that Christ redeems time? Didn't Christ do that? Why do we have to do that? And then there's this thing that, well, now we're the subject, not the object of redemption. Take notice of that. We're the subject here, not the object. We're not being redeemed here as it is in the case of our redemption from sin and death. But here we are doing the redeeming. We are the one that are paying a price. We are the one that are purchasing something, giving something to free it from the ownership of another. You see, in our redemption, in our redemption by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are passive. We have nothing to do with that whatsoever. That's what Christ did and Christ did alone. But here we're called 
to be the redeemers. And then, and then there's the object. Consider the object. Oh, I might understand redeeming a person, redeeming a slave, redeeming a creature, redeeming some object, but time? You cannot touch time. You cannot see time. Time is not a person that cries out, I'm in bondage. Free me. When's the last time you even thought of time as being subject to some sort of bondage so that it needs to be redeemed? We think the opposite. We think that it's us who have to be freed from the bondage of time. So, a very interesting and amazing calling that the Apostle calls us to and sets before us to redeem the time. You, you children of light, go out now and redeem, purchase, buy, make it your servant and slave, purchase so you are its master, time. Now, How is that possible? Is it not true that we are bound to time, that we are creatures of time? Is it not true that all of our life is determined by time, our birth as well as our death, that it's only God who's external, who's outside of time, who's not bound by time? Is it not true that time is something that God created that exists because God made it? And that's true. In many ways, we may say it's the very first thing God created. In the beginning, in the beginning, as soon as you say those words, you have time. The beginning of time. In that beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth. And then, of course, God made Adam. And we need to go back here in order to understand what it is that the Apostle's talking about. God made Adam. God made him the greatest of all the creatures, a rational, moral creature with a will and a mind and a heart to use for good or for evil. God made Adam in a relationship with himself. God created also a relationship between Adam and time. That's what we cannot forget. There is a relationship there. God willed that Adam use his time for the glory of God. Don't forget that. Adam, too, was created in time and therefore was called to use his time. Not simply himself, his time, as well as his energy and life and every other gift that God gave him in the service of God. That's the relationship between Adam and time. It wasn't simply that Adam walked through time, that time was some sort of incidental creature around him, but it, like everything in the world, anything that Adam touched and ate and followed and used was to be used in the service of God. That was the relationship of Adam to God and Adam to the creation. Now what happened? Adam fell. And from the time that Adam fell, time itself fell into bondage. That's what we read in the Holy Scriptures. That the whole creation was made subject to vanity. 
That is, it was made the slave of vanity. It was put under bondage. Now, that didn't happen willingly. Time, like light, is not a rational, moral creature. But time was made subject to bondage, the bondage of vanity, that is, the bondage of emptiness and worthlessness because of what Adam did. When Adam fell, now you understand, what happened was this. That Adam now, instead of using all his time for the service of God, the glory of God, to honor the name of God, he used it for himself. So in fact, time was made bondage to Adam himself, as it were. And all of this great creature time, which God had made and was to be used for the service of God, was used now to promote the name and the place and the honor of Adam over against God. Now, what you have to understand is apart from the redemption of Jesus Christ, of us, time would remain in bondage and wouldn't itself be freed. Oh yes, Christ redeems time. Just as Christ redeems not only us, not only human beings, Christ redeems the whole world and the whole creation. He paid the price of His blood. But now, what does that mean? What happens when that happens? And the answer is that time may be used now again in the service of God. It can be used the way God intended it to be. You have to understand that. And the Bible personifying even the creation puts time as that. That time itself understands and cries out, we want to be freed. We're waiting for the redemption. The great redemption. They say, well, what's that all talking about? Didn't Christ redeem time? Didn't He redeem us? Didn't that all happen on the cross? Well, you have to understand, we talked about that already. We said already that there's two ways that you can think about redemption and look at redemption. You can look at it from a legal point of view, and you can look at it from an actual carrying out point of view. For example, from a legal point of view, there is a time that I lay some money down. I put my 30 pieces of silver down, and a document is signed over to me that you now own the slave. He is redeemed from the ownership of one and becomes mine. But that's not the same as looking now at that redemption of that slave from the point of view of his actual labors now, no longer under one master, but under another. Same thing with Christ. Christ paid the redemption price and obtained our redemption legally at the cross. And that is why the apostle, who, speaking of redemption in chapter 1, as a past fact, you have been redeemed, in chapter 4, goes on to talk about the day of redemption in the future. Which is why he says that we have been sealed unto that day. 
And we said then, what is that day? Well, that's referring to the day when Christ comes. Now, when Christ comes, He's not coming to pay the purchase price anymore. He's not really even coming to take possession. But He's coming to perfect everything that He bought, to bring it to its fullness and completeness. And so there will be a day when the whole creation that He's already bought and purchased will be used in the service of God and of Jesus Christ. But already now, that begins. Already now, exactly because you have been freed, and that freedom is not only a legal freedom, the Apostle has been talking to us throughout this book, and he hasn't brought to us simply our salvation in terms of, you've been adopted, some papers have been signed, you no longer under the legal ownership of the devil, you belong to God and Jesus Christ, but he says you've been given the Spirit. You've been empowered now to actually serve God. You are no longer children of darkness, but children of light. You are called to live as light. And you see, that's what the Apostle is talking about with regard to redeeming the time. That even though, yes, there is a day of redemption coming in which this is all perfected, already now, the child of God can use this creature time again in a way that he could not when he was still under the bondage of sin and death. It's something that is amazing to think about. That already now, time cries out, deliver me from this bondage. It's just like a person who is being enslaved by a very, very terrible person who beats them and abuses them and is using them for all their own personal pleasure. We all look at slavery and would say, how could people live with that? How could they endure that? And it was legal, and it happened. And you can imagine a slave crying out at night in his bed, deliver me, redeem me, find me a different master and Lord who treats me better. Give me freedom. The Bible says you need to think of time that way. Time wasn't meant to be used how men use it. For their own selfish purpose and pleasure and gratification. That's not what time was created for. And so now God comes to us and says, even though the day of redemption is ahead, redeem the time now. I've made you children of light. I've made you my children. Go out now and use that time. Use it in my service. Redeem that time. And think of the day of redemption in those terms. Stop now. This, this text concerns the here and now. But think about the day of redemption and what that will be. There will be a time and whatever time will be in the future, and there will be some form of time, 
It's what we are. It's what God created. It has been redeemed along with the rest of the world. Only God is outside of time. There will be time. An eternity of time. An everlasting time. But even God's condemnation and judgment of the ungodly in hell will be a redemption of time. Will serve the glory and honor of God. Think of the child of God. Think of all the children of God in the new heavens and new earth using all the time God gives them. Not, not a few decades like He gives us now. <laughs> hundred years if we can make it that far. Few do. Think of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years for an uncountable number of people in all of that time perfectly redeemed, being used for the honor and glory of God's name. That's what we're called to do. Now, how specifically do we do that? The Apostle tells us by walking circumspectly. That's what he means when he says walk circumspectly, redeeming the time. He's telling us more specifically how time is redeemed by walking circumspectly. Now, in the Greek, that's one word. One entire word that means walk with watchful care. Walk, as it were, with your head on a swivel. A walk with your wits about you. Walk looking around and watching all around you. That's what it literally means. You might ask, well, why is that? Why, why is it related to that? What's that have to do with this? And the answer is exactly because that time now is redeemed by Christ. It's because of what is preceding. Because we walk in darkness. We walk in a world of darkness. We walk in days and time of darkness and we're children of light. It has to do with the fact that we redeemed by Christ and we live in a world of people that aren't redeemed, that don't redeem the time, that use everything for their own selfish ends. So one has to walk around aware of that, conscious of that. Foolish it is, in other words, to walk around saying, look at all the light. Especially to look at darkness and call it light. Well, foolishness to call the children of light darkness, or the children of darkness light. What foolishness to even say, well, look at all this time. Look at all this time that's mine and for me to spend. What foolishness to live one's life trying to get more time only to use that time in one's own leisure. So let's look more specifically on what it means to walk circumspectly and thus to redeem the time. Well, notice, first of all, it involves walking circumspectly, looking around, being aware, conscious, alive, active. That over against imagining that redeeming the time is a matter of withdrawing yourself from the world and crawling in a cave somewhere like the monks did and saying, I'm done with that world. The way to redeem this time as a child of light in this darkness is, is simply go somewhere else. Well, go live on the top of a mountain. Go sequester myself in a room or in a closet. Or even 
as has also been done, that redeeming the time is a matter of taking out my Bible and reading it nonstop. That somehow if I'm not reading my Bible or reading some good literature, if I'm not praying, and if I'm not singing in a choir, I'm not redeeming the time. That's not true either. It involves walking. And as you know, walking is the biblical word for living your life. So this has to do with how we live our life. And it has nothing to do with withdrawing from the world. Any Anabaptistic ideas and notions that we don't participate and live in modernity and use its modern works and inventions, time can't be redeemed that way. In fact, it's amazing how often the Apostle has to combat that. I think of the Apostle in the book of First Timothy, something we've considered before, where he talked about the doctrine of devils. And the doctrine of devils was those people who talked that way. Well, you may eat this, and you may drink that, uh, because it's evil. It's sinful in and of itself. You shouldn't marry. You shouldn't give in marriage. Uh, because, well, there's something not right about that. Paul called it the doctrine of devils. And over against that, he said, every creature of God is good. And nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Remember, that's time there. And space. And the power of our life that God gives us. So, what does it mean? Number one, redeeming the time, that is, walking circumspectly, looking around aware, means we put away every sinful thought. We put away sinful deeds. We put away sinful actions. Even those things that might be right in and of themselves, but they tempt me. The Apostle has named some. In fact, the Apostle has said, let these things not even be named among you. You may see the passage that we read and that we considered already as among those things. He talked about the unfruitful works of darkness that should be reproved. He's going to make clear it means even using the good gifts of God in a right way. He's going to talk about drinking. He doesn't say don't drink. That redeeming the time is a matter of putting away all your alcohol and not having in a wine, but not being drunk. Not drinking to excess. And we might add, not using all your time to drink. Redeeming the time is knowing when and when not to. He's going to bring up Marriage, that's not an incidental thing. Next on the list is marriage the Apostle is going to get into. Think of how that implies. Think of why he brings that up. Because marriage is the one thing that's for life, for all of your time. It's one thing men and women don't want to admit or allow for. And think of then one of the great ways one can either abuse time, can make time cry out, redeem me from this bondage, that would be marriage, a bad marriage, where husband and wife don't love each other, where the husband hates his wife and abuses his wife, misuses his wife, 
Not only does it cause the wife to cry out, relieve me from this bondage, this great gift of God that ought to be a wonder, ought to be something for which I give thanks every day of my life, but instead is a hellish existence. But time itself cries out. Look at how this time is being spent. It's not a coincidence that he's going to bring this up. Why he's going to move from this to submitting one to another and then talk about that in marriage and then husbands love your wives. So redeeming the time is a matter of looking at your time, where you spend your time, and every sinful thing and thought and deed with regard to that time you put away. Even if it's just a thought, spend the time of that thought saying I shouldn't be thinking those things. Redeeming the time that is walking circumspectly is a matter of using time wisely. That's what circumspectly has an idea of, using it wisely. That is not wasting time. Time, as we all know, and we ought not forget, is the most precious thing you've been given outside of Jesus Christ. It's finite. And you don't know how much you've been given either. You may think you've been given 80 years worth of time, but you'd be a fool to plan on that, to figure on that, to expect that. Your time may end with the amen of this service. But how do we spend our time? We waste it. God gives us this time for a certain purpose, for a certain reason. And our use of it is vanity. My own personal viewpoint, beloved, is that one of the greatest evils that Satan has ever committed and perpetrated upon the church is this giving of time to us. Lots of time. That modern conveniences and advancements have given us more time than people have ever had. And what do we do? We make ourselves busy with it. Well, we think we're using it time. We're, we're redeeming your time. Look how busy I am. I'm running here and there and everywhere. I'm doing this and that and everything. Oh, so many things. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I need a vacation. I need to get away. But what are we really doing? We're wasting time. How do you know we're wasting time? Well, look at what you're doing. The apostle calls it vanity, foolishness. What do you mean by that? Well, you understand from a biblical viewpoint things are vanity that do not last. It's not just that they're sinful. That's how we look at things. I'm redeeming the time as long as I don't do something sinful. No, you've got to understand something. Redeeming the time is a matter of using that time to an end that lasts, to a purpose under heaven with regard to God. Now, do you know how many people have lived their life and looked back at their life and all the time that God gave them, and then they look at it and they go, but what have I done? What have I accomplished? And you know why they ask that question? Because it just dawns on them that everything they spent their time on is gone. It's, it's, it's about ready to leave. Oh, I spent all my time getting this car and fixing it all up and driving it around and shining it all up and making it last and you can't bring it with you. It's done. Vanity. In a few years, no one will remember it. Or all your labors. Even look at the time we spend with our children. How much of that time with our children is really wise use of time? 
How much of time with our children concerns really us and their pleasure? And, and not the things that last. You see, time is ending. Time as we know it is ending, personally and with regard to the world. And we have a way of taking all of that time and wasting it. Redeeming the time is don't waste it. God gives you a minute. Use that minute wisely. Well, what does that mean? It means using that time with regard to the kingdom of God, the eternal things. That's what the apostle is really getting at when he talks about the will of God, knowing the will of God. Why does he bring that up? Because he's saying that's, that's what wise redeeming of the time concerns, the will of God. And it's not just mindlessly obeying God and following His commandments, but it's engaging in those things that last, like your children. Oh yes, your children are going to die too at some point, hopefully after you or your grandchildren. But how much of your labors goes into the grave with them? Lots. So how do you redeem your time with them? Well, you teach them God's Word. You teach them those things that endure and last because they belong to the kingdom of heaven. They concern God and Jesus Christ. Using our time as children of light. Light is a witness. Light has to do with revealing what is true and right in a world of darkness. You could look this up, but out of time, Colossians 4, the parallel passage brings this up. The apostle there makes it explicit even. Redeeming the time has to do with witnessing to others of the salvation that God has given you. Think of a better way to redeem the time than that. You want to know one reason I fear we don't have ministers? Because there's few young men who want to give up their time for it. They're unwilling to redeem the time to that extent. May that not be. Because, you see, redeeming the time is costly. There's a purchase price to be played. Oh, you don't necessarily give your blood. You're not atoning it in the sense that Christ did. But using time, as the apostle refers to here, comes with a price, a cost. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. I can assure you, it's not what your flesh wants. It's not the first thing that comes to your mind when you wake up in the morning. It takes effort. And then consider what the Apostle sets forth as the will of God. He talks about even no fellowship with the unfruitful works of the darkness. Well, guess what's going to happen when you say, I'm going to redeem the time by not hanging around with these kinds of people and doing those kinds of things. You're going to make enemies. And when you make enemies, guess what? They're going to hurt you some way. It's going to be painful. They're going to say things. They're going to do things. You're going to give up things. You might have to give up a vacation. You might have to give up a bigger house. These things are costly. But that's exactly what the Apostle is talking about with regard to redeeming the time. There's a price. Oh yeah, there's a price. But the Apostle says do it. Why? Well, he says it's the way of wisdom, you understand, and not foolishness. Return to that. You see, that's one of the great characteristics of the child of God, who's a child of God, child of the light, is that he's wise. He's no longer a fool. 
What does it mean to be wise? Well, to be wise is to know what the will of God is and behave accordingly. That's what wisdom is. To know the wisdom of God, the will of God, what God desires, what God wants, and live accordingly. What's a fool do? Well, a fool may know the will of God, may understand what God wants, but he won't do it. He even says that that's wise. And scriptures come along and say, thou fool, don't you know that even tonight your life will be required of you? Redeeming the time, beloved, is the wise thing to do. No, it doesn't get you to heaven. No, it doesn't save you. But it is blessed by God. When you're gone and you've expended the last minute, the last second of the life and the time, really, that God gave you, What's going to be remaining? What's going to remain? What's going to be there? What's going to last? Well, the fool has nothing. There's nothing that remains. Pretty soon even his memory's gone. And that's even with regard to the greatest and the mightiest and the smartest in the world. Redeem the time and you will find there's much. That God blesses that labor. That those labors remain into eternity. That they last and they last and they last. Why is that? Well, it's because that's the way God's made it. That's why it's the way of wisdom. So redeem the time, beloved. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, help us to redeem the time especially because the days are evil, wicked, increasingly evil, so that we ought to apply ourselves even more and more to taking every second of every minute of every hour of every day and pressing it into the service of the great King, our Lord Jesus Christ, and using that time that He Himself has redeemed in His service. Give unto us, Father, that wisdom. Keep us from our folly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.